welcome to Words for Dinner, the podcast that treats your last family reunion like a session of Congress, uh, meaning it's boring as hell. You didn't have to explain what I meant. <laughs> Do it again. Okay. Okay. Hello, and welcome to Words for Dinner, the podcast that you love so much you're willing to dial down the volume on your latest uh, filibuster speech that you're watching from the floor of Congress and listen in to what we have to say. I'm Max. And I'm Mike. This week, we're talking, or this episode, we're talking about a word that's getting a lot of buzz right now, a word that a lot of people are afraid of, Mm. a word that means a lot or very little, Mm. depending on who you are. So we're going to throw our hat in. We're going to start talking about the thing that everyone's talking about. That's the word hat? We're going to deal (laughs) with politics. Oh, politics. Political stuff. Actually, Mm. I guess they're different words, but we'll talk about that. Uh, Yeah, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to talking about contemporary issues, old issues, Mm. the historicities of issues, (laughs) possibly Mankind the Wrestler. Yeah, that'd be great. The WWE. WWF. WWF. Before. Not Why? the World Wildlife Foundation. Why did they change it? It used to be WWE. Yeah, but it was because World Wildlife Foundation. Oh. And okay. World Wrestling Federation. Both had the same acronyms. Yes. Yeah, acronyms. And uh, they got confused. They, did they? People would like Google WWF and like want to see like the Undertaker and Kane video. Yeah. Right? But instead they would see pandas. Yeah. They were very confused, right. most likely happily confused mm-hmm. after seeing some pandas. But imagine the other way around: you Google WWF, you're trying to, you know, uh, donate to some wolf conservatories, yeah. and you're like, I love animals, and then you see like a 380 pound man jump on another 380 pound man and go, wah, wah, yep, just like it's uh, very disturbing. It's Al Pacino in front of a woman, yeah, wah. <laughs> Hoo-ha! Uh, great movie, by the way. Chris mm-hmm. O'Donnell's best movie. Yeah. Uh, but I just wanted to make a quick connection, yeah. which is that I just realized there's not too much of a difference between a giant panda and some of the guys that wrestled in WWF. No, not very much. Um, same amount of hair, really. Pelt. You, this is off topic, but you know who I met once? Rafiki. Remember <laughs> Rafiki? Wait, the monkey from Aladdin? No, no. <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking the monkey from Aladdin. No, no, no. That wrestler, Rafiki. Oh, his name's Rafiki. That's yeah, cool. He's bad. Is he named after the monkey from Aladdin? I don't know. Maybe. Oh, I think he was Hawaiian. No, or geez. he at least, or he was, he wasn't Hawaiian. I'm sorry. He was um, Pacific Islander. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Rafiki. Yeah. 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 And like the vaguely, the vaguely racist tones that the wrestling community has. Yeah, they do. Like, yeah, they're a little bit almost offensive sometimes. Yeah. Except for the Undertaker, no Undertaker is going to be offended at that. They're going to be like, "Thank you for bringing some attention and notoriety to my difficult profession." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. We can keep this in the episode. Yeah, definitely. This distraction. <laughs> okay. So, so what's what, what's been going on with you lately, Max? How's the how's the reading going? Any good words going on in your life before we get to the nastiest of all words, politics? Squelch. No, Squelch. that's not true. Squelch could be the nastiest word. That's a good point. Uh-huh. Maybe people do like the word politics. I don't know. We're going to get to it. But, you know, what's going on with you? Uh, well, you know, this uh, this week I've been reading some poetry. Mm. I've been reading. That's new. I love it. I know. It's really scary for me because I, I, don't, I don't do it that much. This is a guy named Coleman Barks. Mm. You know? He is actually more famous not for his own poetry. He's famous for another person's poetry. Another person who's long dead. 
He is a translator of the 13th century Sufi mystic, mm. Rumi. Nice. Wh- whose word means, I'm from Turkey. Whose, wor- whose word, sorry. Whose name means, I am from Tur- Turkey. Basically, basically means, Ru- if you like, you said, hi, I'm Rumi. It's like somebody would be like, oh, cool, you live in Turkey, that's cool. He had to flee there from Genghis Khan. Oh, wow. He came, he came from elsewhere. History. Yeah, history. That's some historicity for you. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, so I'm reading the, I'm reading Coleman Barks because I'm writing an essay on that guy. Yeah, yeah. I hope to get it published somewhere. Don't know if it will. But uh, Hummingbird Hummingbird Sleep is the name of uh, Coleman Barks's collection. That's his own work. Mm-hmm. And then there's this book that Col- that Barks translated called The Book of Love. There's this another book called Essential Rumi Collections of Rumi Poetry. It is dope. Yeah, it's real good. What about you? What are you reading? Right now, I'm reading uh, Do Dream of Electric Sheep. It's okay, Dick. Yeah. That's good. Some sort of stories by Philip K. Dick. Mm-hmm. And uh, the graphic novel adaptation of Philip K. Dick's to Android Stream of Electric Sheep. So basically, absorbing so much PKD that my soul is confused mm-hmm. and believes I'm an android. Yeah. You know what you could also do is uh, instead of doing all that, you could just drop acid and then that would accomplish the same things. But it wouldn't be as fun as reading no, so much. It fun. Actually, <laughs> please don't do that. Good. I don't. PSA. Yeah, acid is cool, but like I'm not going to be doing it. I don't think you should be doing it either because it's dangerous. This is the most confusing PSA I think I've ever heard. Um, but it's going hey guys, acid is cool, but maybe think <laughs> take a second thought before you do it. No, it's really cool. Drainer's Dream is awesome. I teach it in, in one of my classes and. It's an awesome book to kind of reread and re-explore. I love it a lot. And the um, the Boom Studios version is really kind of interesting. Um, it's not at all. It's kind of it's like watching uh, a movie version of your of a book that you really love and and seeing like how they interpret it. You know, so like reading Lord of the Rings, going to see the three Lord of the Rings movies, it's going to be different. Mm. But in the comic version, all the words are exactly the same as the text. They don't. They they take out very little. From the actual novel, so it's not the writer is Philip K. Dick, even though he's long dead. But the yeah. artist is Tony Parker, and it's interesting how he's interpreting these moments and what moments because you're working with a comic. You know, you have a static image; you can't have an image that moves. And uh, you know, it's a novel, so there, people are literally moving, or people like go somewhere and turn and give a look, and what it is that the artist decides to render, like what the artist like I- image goes with the words is really interesting so far um that's cool yeah i kind of like it and also he makes everybody attractive and i always felt like everybody in every philip k dick's book was unattractive super ugly just super like across the board except for like anyone who is an android they were attractive and do android's dream but like everybody else was just weirdly hideous that's pretty interesting yeah that's That's cool that's uh that's the one because p you know pkd he wrote Mm -hmm. he wrote a A lot of stuff Is, is that the one that was adapted into Blade Runner? Yes. Was. And Blade Runner has nothing to do with the book. Really? They are so... Un, they're as unrelated as uh, Stephen King's... Um, what's Stephen it? King? No, not It. It and the movie It are, are, at least have some similarities. The darker but, half. No. <laughs> God, stop. Uh, damn it. The real Stephen now, King books. Yeah, now, you're, now I'm thinking of other Stephen King books because you're being an, being an asshole. Sorry, I'm on acid. Uh, I'm on acid right? I know, it's terrible. Uh, <laughs> your eyes, they look like it. Um, no, the um, one that Stanley Kubrick 
directed. Oh, uh, the 2001. No, that's 2001. We talked oh, about 2001. Oh, shit. No, oh my god. Can <laughs> Neither <laughs> one of those are based off of a Stephen King He's novel. only done two. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the one with uh, Jack Nicholson and yes. that in the hotel. Yes. That is called... Oh, The Shining. The Shining, yes. <laughs> so the book... <laughs> The book The Shining. We're so stupid. I know that was that took too long. Yeah. The book The Shining and the movie The Shining are nothing alike. They're very very different. Yeah. And the movie Blade Runner and Durandred's Dream are insanely different. Mm. In Blade Runner, you know you have uh, Harrison Ford and Blade Runner. Love so Harrison good. Do not listen or do not watch to the one where he does the voiceover mm. throughout. It's mm. terrible. Mm. The one where it's the director's cut and they got rid of the voiceover. So much better. Yeah. So much better. Um, but, uh, so they're nothing alike. There's so much more in the book. I mean, obviously, you yeah. can't translate everything, but there's, like, a lot of science fiction-y stuff that's in the book that is not in the movie, and that movie's pretty science fiction-filled. So it's, like, he just goes nuts. Um, and it's interesting. It's a cool book. I love it a lot. Uh, I'm excited about it. I wish that Philip K. Dick were alive or something so that I could just hug him and mm-hmm. tell him it's okay. And be like, hey man, show me your quartz pendant that you wear mm-hmm. on your neck, because I'm pretty sure he did that. Yeah. And uh, I'm also reading a short story of his called The Electric Ant, about a guy who wakes up and finds out that he's a robot. What? Whoa, so it's like, uh, you know, um, uh, Gregor Samsa, kind of mm, like, uh, yeah, you know, but like style. robot-y. Yeah. Whoa, I like that. I haven't it. gotten through. I haven't gotten through it all. I skimmed it basically, but I'm reading it now. Like that's what I'm going to read now. It sounds a lot like the Metamorphosis. I'm sure he was thinking the Metamorphosis when he wrote that. Yeah. Mm. And so, yeah, so it's exciting. It's fun. Uh, also, I've been reading uh, Aristotle's Politics. So we're gonna see how that goes. Weird. We're gonna talk about that. Um, and speaking of, you know, you want to get into it? You want to get into the. The meat of the dinner, the the heart of it. All right, I'm ready to take a uh, steak knife. Yep, and just give it a poke. Yep, and see if any juices escape. Mm-hmm. If they do, it's probably approaching readiness. Yes, in which case, slice into that puppy. Yes, I'm ready to do it. Let's slice. Come on, baby, tell me what's the word. Michael. Yes, we have a word today, mm-hmm. which is so relevant mm-hmm. to modern events in the contemporary world, mm-hmm. current events. That I, my head is spinning. I can't believe how relevant we are today. Yeah. Uh, there's a presidential election. Going Looming. On. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, it's starting. I mean, it's going. There's the also a ton of other elections that are starting, too. Congressional, sure. local elections. Sure. Go ahead and vote in your local election, 2016. Thank you. This message is brought to you by Words for Dinner. Your yeah. favorite bunch of douchebags. We're not a bunch. We're just a, a couple. Yeah, sure. A right. pair. Your favorite pair of dummies. Mm. Mm. Too so, much self-deprecation. Anyway, go ahead. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so this is uh, relevant. This is yeah. contextual information. Mm-hmm. You know, you have your uh, your people who we all know. We don't need to mention who are in mm-hmm. the news these days for all, the, all the things they're saying. Mm-hmm. Now, they want to be a part of this thing called our political system. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so what the heck does the word politics mean, right? Because political, we can it's sort of like an ancillary term. What we're really interested in is the word politics. So what did you find out about this? Well, you know, going to our uh, old faithful, uh, old Yeller, I our, love our, our Yellowstone. It's great. Um, old uh, old OED. Mm. Mm-hmm. Our old buddy. Yeah. Uh, we look at politics, right? And and I think that one of the interesting things that 
one of the interesting things that I found immediately is that there are so many versions of this word out there that uh, all the forms that it comes in, you know, all of them pretty similar to how you say politics, uh, politics, 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 right? All of this is really similar, but they're so fascinating. I love the spellings of them. Uh, words with Y's in them. In the middle, just are words that I usually love, and I don't know why, yeah, yeah. but I just I just was really in love with it. Well, and we get the etymology a little bit, which it talks about the you know it comes from the Middle French politiques, politics or politiques. I don't I'm pronouncing that incorrectly yeah. because you know my Middle French is perfect. Sure, uh, but it means public affairs, <laughs> government, also the title of Aristotle's treatise, uh, treatise on politics, which we're going to address later in the show, uh-huh. uh, and its models post classical uh, Latin. Uh, Politica, the title of Aristotle's uh, treatise on politics, which is literally a repetition. Mm. All right, I guess. Right, public affairs and ancient Greek, which the in Greek, which I don't read Greek, but politics, Mm. uh, public matters, civil affairs, and so politic. The word politic or politics is coming from that Middle French, that Latin. And the Greek. And the Greek is an important aspect of it. And the first definition that we get as well is it's usually with capital initial, so it's usually capitalized. And it's a treatise uh, treatise, excuse me, on the science or theory of politics, now, specifically Aristotle. That's interesting because if it's capitalized, it makes it a proper noun. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely referring to an actual book yeah. called Politics yep. by this dude named Aristotle. Yeah, I mean, I've um, never heard of him before, Aris- obviously. <laughs> Aristotle. Why does he spell his name like that? It's so hard know. to pronounce. I don't know. I don't know. There's two T's. What a jerk. But they're separate? I don't know. He's just a total jerk. And we're going to find out how big of a jerk he actually is mm-hmm. later on. Yeah. But yeah, so that's our first definition. Is we got that it, it's from Aristotle. But we have other definitions as well, which are more typically what we're going to kind of get to or what we're going to be talking about in yeah. relationship to now. Right. Which, the second one, the theory or practice of government or administration. That's Boom. pretty obvious. Boom, right there. Uh, and here we have multiple versions of it, and mm-hmm. we can talk about where those come from. Mm-hmm. As well, and the first one is the science or study of government and the state. So closely related to Aristotle in that way, uh, you know, studying government or the state or how that works. Yeah. So basically, you know, we're talking about the name of our structure, yeah. right? Uh, how we organize society yeah. often, or in English, how we talk about that, or the study of that thing, the study of how we organize ourselves. Right, right, right. Fascinating stuff. Yeah. And the first thing we got our Another old faithful, another person that we come back to over and over again, John Skelton. Dude, Skelton. He's everywhere. I love Skelton. He's, He's like our secret third uh, podcast podcaster. Moment. Yeah, yeah. We if if a time machine time machine is ever invented. He would be our first like a guest on the podcast. And this is just like our last episode where we talked about awesome and we mentioned Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Because yeah. guess who has a time machine? That's true. Bill and Ted. Uh, where accurate. are Bill and Ted? We should try to get Keanu Reeves on this podcast. That would be I feel like he would do an excellent job on this podcast. He would he's more well spoken than we are, that's for sure. I don't I don't know if that's true, but <laughs> I I would I would argue at the very least he would be a fascinating person. He could speak to read John Skelton's poems. <laughs> I would love to hear that. You know, I'm not even lying. That's not even a joke. No, no I mean, joke. It's half a joke, but half a joke, but mainly honest. It's honest and funny. 
This is a shout out to Keanu Reeves, dude. If you want to come and or just record some reading of of Colin Clute, which we'll, we're going to read a little bit in a second, but if you want to just do that, we'll put it on the podcast. Dramatic we'll readings it. would be we're awesome. Inter- we're international now, oh, so baby. I mean, like we're basically Keanu Reeves the is international deal. too. You know, thirty I mean, yeah. percent of Keanu Reeves is uh, Martian. Did you know? I that? believe that. I believe that. Yeah. Uh, and also the last plug for Keanu Reeves because we're trying to get him on before we move on. He actually is. He does have a dramatic. Actor, acting background. He was in a uh, the uh, film adaptation of A Midsummer Night's Dream, or no, Much Ado About Nothing. Uh, that. He played a guy. I think he played the closest thing to a bad guy in Much Ado About yeah. Nothing. That's what a more lighthearted one. Yeah, uh, I think Denzel was in it too. Uh-huh. Anyway, I believe you. You get the <sighs> weird knowledge of Shakespeare movies. Oh, yeah, he's great. Man. I, I, yeah. I don't. I have more knowledge of Shakespeare than I do of Mankind, the Wrestler, and I kind of want to remedy sad. that. That's sad. Yeah, figure it out. Bounce it out. I know. So, but, what, like, we're talking about this second definition, right? Yes, yes. The sorry. theory <laughs> or practice of government or administration. Mm-hmm. Now we got the OED loves to do this. They got a numerical definition and they have sub definitions under yeah, it. Yeah. We got A through. Let's see. We got A, B, C. We got three under that. I want to give a I want to give a foreshadowing. I want to okay. give the audience a taste. I'm excited, right? So we're going to talk about two A in a second, which we will define. Well, that's for what you. we've been talking. That's about. That's what we've been talking yeah. about, right? So then the the third definition is actions concerned with the acquisition or exercise of power, status, or authority. That again sounds pretty similar to what mm-hmm. we're talking about. Power, right? They got a couple sub definitions out of that, and then their fourth one, and I believe that is. Not the last one. I think it might be the last one that we're interested in. Is the fourth one, the political ideas, beliefs, or commitments of a particular individual, organization, etc. Mm-hmm. Now, just to make a quick point. Yeah. The OED is our best dictionary. They are they're these, our friend. They're our friend. Yeah. They're uh, just sweet. We love them. <laughs> uh, but I think they'd be the first ones to acknowledge that when you are defining a word, you're not supposed to use the word. In the definition. <laughs> the political ideas, beliefs, or commitments of a particular individual. That uses the word politics in it. Uh, it political. uses political. I see what you're saying. It's so, the same base. I see yeah, your yeah. point. Yeah, it's not exactly the same per se. Mm. Right. But, but I think that's... Yeah, per se. And that's, and mm-hmm. we, we do that. Easter eggs for people to, re, as we've said before, to reward consistent or constant listening. All day, every day. We yeah. get back rubs too, by the way. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Back, ro- back ribs are free. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, no, and I think I think that that's an important thing that we're going to get to and you know, talk about, like, why that's the fourth definition. Because these aren't always organized by frequency of use, no. or at least they don't feel that way. They might be. I might be wrong. No. And they might, you know, OED might get mad at us and yell at us later on when we have dinner with them, but uh, or after dinner, right? Um, but, you know, it's still. Uh, so John Skeleton and Colin Clute is this poem. Uh, and we, we thought it'd be fun to read a little bit of this to just kind of get that idea. Uh, I think that now it's it's been a thing that we'll read something in old English or something in in England in a uh, more archaic form of English. Now, before you um, start, yes. I, you're you're our resident old English expert. I sure let's 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 call me that. You are the best at reading old English in this room. In this room, that's true. That is for sure. That's true. And we have three Middle English experts sitting behind us right oh, now, and they're just they're just giving you the floor. Mm-hmm. Guys, you want to talk? You, do you, no, they nope. don't want to do it. No, they're, they're silent. Don't. They don't, they're, Good quiet guys, too, now, to be fair. 
They're quiet, guys. Uh, we've duct taped their mouths shut. I don't see what that has to do with this. <laughs> anyway, anywho, I just wanted to preface before yeah. you read. So, yes, this is the second definition, and the OED has a sub-definition called the science or study of government and the state. Yep. In this first entry, which is, and they're ordered chronologically, mm-hmm. that means it's the oldest entry we have, yeah. and this is an important one for that reason. It is from our friend John Skelton. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so this is an epic poem called Colin Clute, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not it's not technically an epic poem. Mm-hmm. This is a long ass poem. This is a long ass poem. All right, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's from about 1545. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and and or even about 1529, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's it's confusing like when it was published as opposed to when it was written, mm-hmm. when it was first heard, you know, stuff like that. All that stuff's confusing, especially when you get as far back as that. But so John Skelton Colin Clute reading a small excerpt uh, for those at home who would like to follow along, who would like to pause sure. and, and, and go find Colin Clute sure. uh, as pull well. Pull it out of your bookshelf. Pull, just pull it down. Collected poems of John Skelton. Yep. You know, or you can just Google real fast or Yahoo or Bing or Ask Jeeves it. <laughs> um, it, it's, it. We're going to be reading from line 610. Line 610. Hold on, let me find it. All right, look at it. it. You're good. Mm-hmm. Uh, line six ten uh, through about six thirty, or maybe six forty. Depends how excited I get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're gonna be reading the part in which we see the word politics or politics in this case come mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> for the Lord's temporal, their rule is very small, almost nothing at all. Men say, "How ye appall the noble blood royal." In earnest and in game, ye are the least to blame. For lords of noble blood, if they well understood, <laughs> how conning might them announce, they would pipe you another dance. Hmm. But noblemen born to learn they have scorn, but hunt and blow and horn, Lep over lakes and dikes, set nothing about pilot tykes. Therefore, ye keep them base and mock them to their face. This is a piteous case to you that o'er the wheel great lords must crouch and kneel and break their horse at the knee, as dally men may see. And to remembrance call fortune, so turneth the ball. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My heart leaps. Mm-hmm. My uh, toes mm-hmm. curl. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My hair grows. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> right? Yeah, and so here we see something which I think nice. is an interesting, and I want to stop using that word, but this is a this is something that I am excited about. Mm. This is my this is my use of synonyms. So we're gonna try and do that. But nice. what I'm excited about and what I'm seeing in a lot of the different things that we've looked at and are gonna look at is that there is a connotation with the word politics here in the poem itself. You know, but hunt and blow a horn, leap over lakes and dikes, mm-hmm. set nothing by politics. 
Mm-hmm. So it's this negative. Don't do it by politics. Politics, no, no. Yeah. Right? Do, Don't do, do that thing. other lordly things like fox yeah. hunting and stuff. Yeah, cool stuff like that. Yeah, except funner for politics. Things. Politics isn't fun. This is already, Skelton is right in around 1529, 1545. It's mm-hmm. already, politics is sort of like, like mm-hmm. not fun at all. Exactly. And I think that this is something that's kind of transitioned through or something that we hear a lot about. In contemporary times, is that negative mm. aspect, that negative feeling of it. So mm. I'm curious: is in the OED, do they ever recognize that, or do they stay kind of neutral with it? Recognize Be, what? the negative uh, connotation behind it. Mm. You know, because I think that many people have positive connotations. If you work in politics, or you are excited by uh, about that, or you're like a politics nerd, there are people out there who are really excited. <laughs> Marco Rubio. <laughs> Marco Rubio. He loves this stuff, yeah, right? He loves, yeah. <laughs> he loves it. Oh um, but there's other people too, and and. I worked at a library with one guy yeah. who was obsessed with politics. Yeah, no. This guy would just be like into it, but in like this really fun, adorable way that I could identify with. Mm. You know, like I would go out and buy every Incredible Hulk comic that I could find. He would scour the news for any political story that he could find. It's just a type of obsession, and that's fine too. But I wonder if OED is going to go and say there's a little negativeness here, mm. right? or if any of the definitions that we have have a negative connotation or feeling. Aha. <laughs> I don't know if they will either. Yeah. I think the OED likes to remain impartial. I think so. But too. also, I think, so I think if a word has a negative connotation, they're usually upfront about that. Yep. yep. So, yeah, we, you know, we have a couple other excerpts that we might want to n- note. Mm. Uh, John Locke is in there under oh, this yeah, list. We got, uh, we got Hume, mm-hmm. the philosopher. I don't know if this is Thomas Jefferson. There's a T. Jefferson writing yeah, 1820. Maybe Thomas. Is he still around at that time? I don't yeah. Know. Speaking of Plato, no old writer, man at that time. Atient or modern has bewildered the world with more ignis fatu than this renowned philosopher in ethics and politics and physics. Yeah. So he's Writings, basically yeah, huh. Jefferson's just just giving a shout out to his man Aristotle. No, I was shout out to Plato. Oh, Plato, right. Mm-hmm. right. Well, we'll see Aristotle in his book Politics is actually responding to Plato. That's right. That's yeah. right. You're right. Okay. So yeah, John Locke says something in 1690. He says that would be to make a dictionary of the greatest part of the words made use of in divinity, ethics, law, and politics and several other sciences. So, nice. of course, taken out of context. I don't yeah, know. It makes no sense. Wh- I don't know. Context. <laughs> <laughs> what would be a dictionary? Not sure. But uh, you know, uh, this this yeah. So we got several different uh, mentions of that. Mm-hmm. And I, don't, I think the more recent ones are not as interesting. Like yeah. we're. I think yeah. this particular episode, we can spend more time on the origins of it. Yeah, because we all sort of like. I think there is a negative connotation among a lot of people though, mm-hmm. today, right? Like, yeah. like when you when you sort of say, well. You know, that's just a politician. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you, I, I hear it framed a lot. Like, it's sort of, yeah. when you're talking about politics today, it's sort of assumed that you're talking about liars. Mm-hmm. That's true. Right? That's true. And yeah. backstabbers and people who don't speak straight. Yep. You know? No, I think you're right. And I think, too, that there's so much in relationship to this word, mm-hmm. word that's contemporary. You know, like partisan politics or left politics, liberal politics, mm-hmm. right politics, conservative politics. Mm-hmm. We can go on forever. I mean, like, that's an infinite thing to explore. So here, talking about just the word politics, Man. you're going to talk a lot about that history. Instead Man. of when we talked about, you know, words like moist or even per se, in which it's not so much the history of that word that makes that word fascinating, but the use now. 
And I think that politics is more about the history. The mm. use now is just a common word. It's super common. Man. And so to talk about that history or where it comes from um, or what people thought about it in the past is an interesting reflection on the now. Yeah, you know? for sure, for sure. So maybe we should skip ahead then to the third definition. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too because, I mean, the, the second part of the definition is just another version of the same activities mm-hmm. or policies associated with government. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have public life and affairs involving matters of authority and government, mm-hmm. you know, especially the sphere viewed as a profession. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's okay. It's viewed as a profession. 1680, it seems to be used as that. Uh, the man of politics, which is interesting. But yeah, go ahead. So one thing I do notice before we get to the third definition, mm-hmm. right, under uh, the, the third sub-definition of the second, you yeah. mentioned it, public life and affairs involving matters of authority and government. There is a, uh, a guy, a very famous uh, British uh, writer named Benjamin Disraeli. Yeah. And he, I think this is a good example of what I was just saying about this sort of negative connotation, what you were saying about the negative yeah. connotation. He was writing in 1826. He has this publication of this book, I guess. It was called Vivian Gray. Mm-hmm. And this is his, these are his words, quote, There is no act of treachery or meanness of which a political party is not capable. For in (laughs) politics, there is no honor. Oh, rough. No honor. None. Unquote. So what that means is even Disraeli, who may have been a politician himself, I think, uh, was crapping all over this word. Mm. So by the 1800s, this has already got a pretty ugly reputation. Yep. Sure. And so the third definition, right? Do you want to you want to read that one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, actions concerned with the acquisition or exercise of power, status, or authority. Mm-hmm. So we keep seeing this idea of power coming up. Yeah, and this is frequently used in a derogatory way. This definition, mm-hmm. which is good, which is again that negative. That's it. And that per- that first part, which I think is kind of interesting, that first reference that they have yeah. from 1650, from something called Perfect Passages. Intelligence Army. What is that? It seems related to the government. It seems related to our earlier definition, yeah. which is politics as a study of the government. Yeah, you know? yeah. um, making that which, in the main intention, was spiritual to serve politics and carnal ends. So in that case, it's Rough. explicitly being equated with carnal ends. Yeah, and in evil other, and, and wrongness. In other words, like, like lust and uh, greed and things like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think that it, all this is going to come back together as we keep going, and all this is going to kind of connect, but mm-hmm. it's uh, such a negative connotation, like, mm-hmm. or at least within the choices that OED, because it's such a common word, the choices that OED makes to exhibit the definition throughout the different years mm-hmm. is interesting if they're choosing the ones that use it in a negative way. Not for this specific definition, because this one is used in a derogatory way. But if they're using mainly the negative connotations, interesting that maybe the OED is like, yeah, uh, that's how we feel about it. Or at least this is what we deem the most interesting or most important. With a little wink and a nudge to the side of, it's a bad word. It's a bad word. It's yeah. kind of like a bad word, isn't it? <laughs> it might be the first swear word that we that we explore on the pod, there podcast. Yeah. Politics. I, uh, it's, hide your kids. Yeah, put them away. Yeah, eight-letter word. Dirty eight-letter word. Dirty eight-letter <laughs> Begins yeah. with a P. Don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> Uh, and so that second one under the third, so 3B, you know, the second one under mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. definition, management or control of private affairs and interest, especially as uh, regards status or position. Mm. 
And here we have, you know, a few people using it. Smedley. Love the names of these people. Smedley. This, I feel like sometimes they literally only choose people who have great last names. I know. F.E. Smedley, 1856. Uh, it would be funny if it was like, I.M. Smedley. <laughs> yes, it is I, Smedley. Smedley. <laughs> Esquire. The governor's letter contains a budget of family politics. I am Smedley said so. Mm. Yes, family <laughs> family politics. So that's interesting because right, yeah. it, sort of that at that moment, it's branching out from our standard definition of government governance mm-hmm. and sort of citizenry and the civic life and sort of uh, you know blending it together with domestic life, which is yeah. another interesting thing that uh, our friend Aristotle. Uh, sort of covers in the first couple par- uh, chapters of his treatise mm-hmm. on politics. That's where he's, he's, he says, well, there's domestic life, there's like government life, then there's economic, you know, like he, he sort of subdivides yeah. governance into different categories. But here it's it's saying, yeah, this, this guy Smedley in this book called Harry Coverdell's Courtship says, he uses the phrase family politics. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Go on. <laughs> Go on, Mr. Smedley. So, uh, unfortunately, that's all we get from him. But, uh, yeah, a couple other of these definitions mention that in the same way. They use the same term, family politics. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, again, I think a little bit derogatory, right? So, I, what, yeah. my, what, how I would interpret the term family politics is like sort of like mm, petty squabbles between people. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, your Uncle Jerry... You know, at the family reunion, good old Jerry gets a little soused, you know, drinks one too many uh, uh, aperitifs, and next thing you know, he's making a speech that's uh, not appropriate for mixed company, and everybody's got to shut him down. Just, Jerry, tone it down. Sit down, Jerry. I feel I feel like you use too many personal references, hmm. and that if your family ever listens to this, yeah. they'll be like, this is how Max feels about yeah. Uncle Jerry. Yeah. Yeah. Good thing is, I don't have an Uncle Jerry. I did okay. have a grandfather who would go by Jerry, a great grandfather. Well, who, yeah, kind of. It's my mother's name, Jerry. Really? Yeah. Mm. Weird, right? That's my mother's name, Jerry. It is weird. I thought it was really weird that there was this guy I went to school with named Jerry. Mm. I was like, that's a girl's name. Yeah, what? And then I was I was informed otherwise. How is uh, your mom spelling? With a G. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was seeing it that way, too. The her, her, her name is actually Jerry Ann. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, yeah. you know. The ladies sometimes spell it with a G. I haven't seen uh, too many... Guys spell it with a G. No, it's usually a G. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's nice. So many words. It's nice, man. Talking about words. It's, it's nice all to the get, time. It's nice to learn stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I it's like good. learning. Learning's good. Yeah. Um, but to get now to get to the definition that you mm. were all uh Those about. Are? Yes. Mm. The political ideas, beliefs, or commitments of a particular individual organization. Mm. And I think here to kind of give OED a break. You know, we often don't. They don't respond to my tweets. I know. I tweet them deal. all the time. <laughs> they don't respond. And I forgive them for it each time. Um, yeah. I think that they're referring back to the original. This is why this is the fourth definition. Is because, like you're saying, it's getting more specific. Mm-hmm. It's going from, like, very big, like, the study of government and politics to more personal, you know, to the yeah. family, which we just got to, and then now to the individual, and to kind of reflect on that individual's ideas of the study of government. Yeah. And that's just a lot to say in a definition, so sure. it's shorthanded, you know, the political ideas, beliefs, or commitments right. of a particular individual or right. organization, right. getting on that micro level. Right. 
So I, 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 I'm okay with it. Also, too, I just got done reading some uh, an excerpt from uh, Freire's Pedagogy of the Oppressed. Oh, nice. And he defines a lot of words with the same word. Mm. One of my famous, my, the, one of my favorite phrases. He's so smart, too. Is that he, yeah, he's so smart. Oh, my God, right? I want to hug him, too. Yeah. So many people I want to hug. Anyway, great. Um, Freire uses a phrase called, uh, he defines consciousness, and he says, uh, consciousness as consciousness of consciousness. Oh, God. It's so... You know, he was writing in the 60s and 70s, wasn't he? Maybe it's like oh, just, too much acid. Well, you know, it's, all, it's also... He's not writing in English. It's in translation, too. But that's what he... I mean, that's what he's saying, and it's good. It's just so good. Wow. Mind-bending. I know. Uh, so, somebody that I'm excited to see under this definition, under the one that you have, mm. two people mm. right after... Or three people right after each other. Mm-hmm. Um, the first being 1856... Mm-hmm. R.W. Emerson, our buddy Ralph. Oh, oh, yeah. I've been missing him. Yeah. I don't think we've seen him in a while, if at all. And Emerson is, you know, that's America. He's just been smelling flowers, you know, mm-hmm. like making paintings of lakes yeah. and stuff. Balin, uh, Balin Thoreau out of jail. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he said, you know, in uh, English traits, he says, uh, too pleasing a vision to be ch- shattered by the politics of shoemakers and... Costermongers. Hmm. I don't know what a costermonger is. No Maybe idea. we should do that next episode. <laughs> our shortest today. episode. Today's episode. An archaic word, costermongers. It means this. Ralph, uh, Ralph Emerson used it once. Alright, bye. In this episode, brought to you by. Yeah, I think it has something to do with mongering. That's what I. And think. costing. Yes, probably costmongering itself. Mm. Uh, and then we got yeah. old, you know, again our favorite name, Roscomile. I have no idea who that is, but I'm so excited you said it because I would have butchered it. Nice. That is an awesome name, Roscomile. Again, my other favorite letter to yeah. have in yeah. an awkward place, an H. Yes. Roscomile. Roscomile. R H O S. Rhyme. Oh my god, that's one of my favorite words. Yeah, that's great. It's got a Y and an H in there, and it just doesn't make sense. And rhythm. Oh my god, rhythm. That's it. That's the word. That's my word, man. I, I dare love you to word. use this person's name in a poem I, that you write. <laughs> Roscomile. you got to do it. White Rose Arno. Uh, oh, what are your politics to women? A woman's politics are the man she loves. Okay, good. That's Misogyny. Weird. Wait, we'll see a lot wait. of that soon. A woman's politics are the man she loves. Like, politics equals spouse. What does that mm-hmm. mean? Well, you know, I mean, this is going to be a common belief that we're going to see here, which uh, I do want a uh, little reminder to our listeners. We do not believe this at Words for Dinner, but no. we will be talking about others who do believe this, which mm-hmm. is women don't have the ability to, uh, you know, think. Right. Right? According to some famous men in history. Super famous. Yeah. People that we talk about all the time. Maybe on this podcast. Maybe in a little bit. Women just don't have agency. That's that's what that's the conclusion we're getting to. We gonna get to the best, the most misogynist, perhaps the, the most famous of the misogynists. The oldest one at the least oldest that we're going to talk about today. Baddest <laughs> ass beard. Although Skelton probably had a nice beard. Actually, probably. I don't know if he had a beard. No. But I, I really hope he did. Right, we, let's look up. So, all right. So the show notes. We got to put us some uh, some f- pictures <laughs> of Skelton's beard. Uh, or on the Twitter, put it up. On Twitter. Yeah, tweet that. We'll tweet that. Uh, but you know, I, I do think uh, we got a. a um, a couple other famous people here, right under Roscomile, our friend, we got T.S. Eliot, mm-hmm. you may know him, mm-hmm. the famous poet, right? 1920, he wrote in Sacred Wood, quote, his literature and his politics and his country life are one and the same thing. So, 
That's interesting. Earlier we had uh, politics being equated with um, sort of petty squabbles among family. And now we have, uh, and then we had it being denigrated. And now we have it being just like equated by T.S. Eliot with literature and yep. country life, which mm. is a, a pointedly sort of mm, Victorian idea. Yeah. This country life thing is really like, they're not talking about the modern day going for a walk in the park. They're yeah. talking about like landed gentry of like the 1880s, you know, like we're talking about like, Pride and Prejudice characters. We're talking about like Jane Austen characters, like you know, exercising their their right to just you know prance about in breeches and stuff. Yeah, you know, maybe go on, <laughs> go on those fox hunts, right? Oh man, yeah, it's too good. So politics, you know, being used in a variety of different contexts. Yeah, and we're we're at, we're getting towards the end here of the, of the actual definitions. Of great, it. great, um, <laughs> great. Now I'm, I'm done with this. <laughs> See, even you, even we hate the word too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so the last two, uh, the assumptions or principles relating to or underlying any activity theory or attitude, usually with the use of of, so the politics of something. You know, that's the definition that we have here. Yeah. Um, you know, we got uh, a little Kipling in there from 1888. We also have uh, yeah. the very famous website, very famous, .net. Oh, sure. So, you know, the, like it's just like .com, .net. <laughs> Before awkward. we get stuck into thoughts on the politics of censorship or the joys of long-distance relationships, it's time for a bit of smut. <laughs> Good for them. You know, Good some, for them. Some reputable, high quality uh, writing there from our friends at mm-hmm. .net, 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 mm-hmm. .net. Yep, and it and it sounds vaguely again misogynistic mm. that like someone's going to share a photo of their long distance lover, and it's going to be disgusting and awful. And in 1995, take 30 minutes to load. Mm. Right, that's that's how the internet worked at that time. Yeah, I know it was dialed up. It was a great. It was. A, I miss it a I'm, lot. I miss it too. But yeah, like I actually like uh, Rudyard Kipling. Although he, we should tack him onto the, our list of v- vaguely offensive writers. Yes. Like he, he was pretty pro-colonialism. I think he pretty, was, like yeah, very. He was very. very he was, you wrote the poem "White Man's Burden," man. Which yeah. is like a famous example where people like yeah, talk yeah. about that. That's where the phrase comes from. White man's burden. Yeah, I know. It's bad. Yeah. It's literally about how white people got to go, you know, teach everybody else how to be people. Yeah. How, <laughs> that is the most colonial idea ever. That is, I, he's just, yeah. he's a, yeah, he's up there too. You yeah, know, on I, top of that. I'm sure uh, Kipling had uh, some, some country life of his own that he engaged <laughs> in. But he says, uh, in Phantom Rickshaw, he says, we talked politics, the politics of loaferdom. Nice. So that's that. another expansion of the word politics. It yeah. seems to be people are tossing around, even in the 1800s, as yeah. just like sort of a way of talking about governance and power and authority and maybe law. Yeah. Okay, good. The laws of things. Yeah. Right. And then I wanted to talk about the last definition. I mean, it's just more of the same. Mm. But I want to talk about the compounds that they list here because oh, I yeah. thought that was hilarious yeah, as well. Yeah, nice, nice, nice. Um, which is... Uh, you know, they have political consciousness. So it's all the, you know, words that politics or uh, politic kind of attaches itself to. So politics consciousness, politics mm. driven, politics free. Good. And these are the fun ones for me. Okay. Politics infested. Yeah. Wow. Infested with politics, yeah. which sounds disgusting to me. Politics mad. That's Which I absolutely love. And they give examples of these. Yeah. One that's really old and like, so it would be from like the early 1900s mm. and then the late 1900s or yeah. the early 2000s. I yeah. love it. Um, where like people are just bringing back these awful uses and politics ridden. 
ah, just infested and ridden and mad with politics. Do so you know what's cool about that? Is that like that's? I'm glad you brought those up because like politics. So these are all our our, our friendly hyphen. Right? Yeah, our, our, our hyphens. Fr- our friend the hyphen is is being used in all these. But the last ones that you read. Politics infested, politics mad, and politics ridden. Even this other one, politics free. You would use those suffixes to sort of talk about diseases. Yes, totally. Right? Like, oh well, I'm I'm measles free now. Mm-hmm. Oh well, I'm I'm uh, you know uh, cancer free, cancer ridden. Yeah. Right? Cancer infested, or yeah, or yeah, just yeah. Um, uh, or, or rodents, right? Like a like an like a, a plague of rats or something, right? Oof. Right. We're, we're mice free finally after our uh, we had a pest guy come in here and mm-hmm. control the problem. Yeah. So at that point, we got politics really being denigrated even yeah. more and being being equated with a disease. Yes. So now let's talk about another disease. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Aristotle. <laughs> no, that's a guy. I'm I'm gonna refer to him as this is gonna be fun. Okay. So I think that. Aristotle has his book called The Politics. Right. I'm this is working. a famous book. This is a super famous yeah. book. He's it's influenced just, people since the year was written in like the year oh, BC. two, yeah, five yeah. or whatever. Year five. Well, yeah. So it is BC, right? Oh, okay. And so I'm working with the edition that's edited by Thomas Allen Sinclair okay. from the 6th. No, from, I'm sorry, the 50s. Right. Or maybe earlier. Okay. But so it's important to talk about this because not only is Sinclair... Like a different translator, I'm sure there are more updated translations. So we're going to deal with probably some archaic terms or some mm. things that might be a little confusing. But yeah, he is a cheeky, cheeky bastard. Oh yeah, and I and I kind of love it. <laughs> He's got some comments in, in there. You know, we just comments on things that Aristotle says, and it's great. Yeah. So we can go through the whole book, yeah. I, and we're not going to do that now. That's too much. Yeah. But I had some choice phrases, some choice ideas to yeah. give you from Aristotle. I want to throw it at you. I want your reactions to okay, them. Okay. All right? I know that you read part of it, too. I want to encourage our listeners to do this with their families at a family party. At a summer, you know, it's getting to be summer. It's around that time. And you start, you know, family get-togethers during the summer. Uncle whatever. Jerry's coming. Uncle Jerry's coming. Why don't you just sit down, you know, write down these phrases. You know, look up some of your own. I encourage you to read, you know, Aristotle. It's fun. Sure. And, and and see how they react. And if they react in the affirmative to some of these, <laughs> you know you need to stay away from that family. Yeah, it's a good way of testing. It's a litmus test mm. for various distant relatives. You know, see where they stand. Also, I'm gonna I'm gonna just I'm gonna go out there and a step further. Step mm. further. Mm. I encourage somebody <laughs> who is a, a product developer or an app developer mm. to get in contact with us to talk about a a apt app a la tinder mm. and we're gonna call it aristotle <laughs> okay and it's gonna be there's a bunch of quotes from aristotle and if you swipe left that means you disagree if you swap swipe right you mean you agree yeah. and the program matches you with people Boom. who also do that Boom. so that the racists can and misogynists can breed with racists and other misogynists and those of us who are live in the 21st century can find those, weed out the ones who might have awkward ideas. It's, this is so strange. Uh, I love this idea because uh, the weird thing, though, is that we might have competition from a, a politician, a self-described politician who is running right now, mm-hmm. who has already achieved what you're talking about by his sheer presence <laughs> in the national media. Yes, that's very true. That's um, very true. Wait, we, he who shall name, not be named. Shall not be named. Amen. Okay. Good. So, 
in the introduction, just a quick little thing, this is a little introduction before we get into the actual text that Aristotle said mm-hmm. and some of the cheeky remarks that uh, Sinclair has. Okay. Sinclair writes this introduction, uh, and he writes, Man was an animal, but he was the only animal that could be described as political, capable of, and designed by nature for life in a palace, right? So meaning life in an organization, which I think is interesting. Well, life yeah. in a city, right? Yeah, yeah, in a city. Yeah, yeah, that's what I... I mean, I was going bigger. Whatever. Be technical, right? Fine. Mm. All right, go ahead. What were, what were we going to say? What were we going to respond? No, no, no. Uh, re- so uh, you got a couple other things from the politics, yes. right? Yeah. Okay. Do you want to do you want to talk about something else? Uh, well, we're introducing this idea right now. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Actually, before you read the next yeah. one, so this is something. This is some information I pulled from the Googler. Yeah. Pulled it from as as my mom calls it. Uh, pulled it from the the uh, worldwide internet. Shout out web. to our moms this episode, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, thanks for bringing us into the yeah. world, guys. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> We're really contributing right now. So, uh, yeah, this is from a site called the Internet Encyclopedia of Philosophy. It sounds like, uh, you know, a little maybe like hack mm. thing. Yeah. But it says it's peer-reviewed, and I actually think it might be kind of a decent source for okay. information. Yeah. Not fantastic. It's but, no but okay. OED, but it's, it's good hard. enough for a podcast which literally makes jokes Every thirty seconds. Yeah, and we pretty much do them at everyone else's expense. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and our, including our own, including our own. <laughs> so it's good, good enough for us, including our own, because we're freaking winners. That's why we're winners. Yeah. Okay. Not all our jokes are winners. No, no. that's true. <laughs> so this is a this is a lengthy from this is from this is an excerpt from a lengthy entry from uh, that website uh, about Aristotle's treatise Politics, Book nice. One. Uh, it's about his description of the purpose. Of the city. Nice, nice. So I'll just quote from them. They say, Aristotle begins the politics by defining its subject. So you can tell already, this is like a summary analysis yeah. of the treatise, which is very helpful. Aristotle begins the politics by defining its subject, the city, or political partnership. Doing so requires him to explain the purpose of the city. Uh, then they give a parenthetical notation which says, and this is helpful, the Greek word for city is polis, which is the word that gives us English words like politics nice. and policy. Aristotle says that, quote, it is clear that all partnerships aim at some good, and that the partnership that is most authoritative of all and embraces all the others does so particularly and aims at the most authoritative good of all. This is what is called the city or the political partnership. Mm-hmm. So in Greece and Aristotle's times, the important political entities were cities which controlled surrounding territories that were farmed. It's important to remember the city was not subordinate to a state or nation the way that cities are today. It was sovereign over the territory that it controlled. To convey this, some translations use the word city-state in place of the word polis. Although none of us today lives in a polis, we should not be too quick to dismiss Aristotle's observations on the way of life of the polis as irrelevant to our own political partnerships. Mm. Unquote. So that what that says is it just kind of gives us some foundational information. Yeah. That's yeah. helpful. And it's kind of interesting because that is... Almost reminiscent of like politics is local or all politics is local, which like the palace of the city that you live in or the yeah. area in which you live in right. is separate or different than the palace in another place. Mm-hmm. I think that's actually pretty accurate still that we might not live in an official city states, but there are there's still that feeling that's around. Yeah, yeah. Maybe they're not sovereign, but. The local, there is local yeah, politics. Local, there's local government and politics. Town councils, local decisions. Yeah. mayors. Local taxes, all that stuff. I was just talking to my kids the other day about uh, their their high school graduations. Because mm-hmm. you know? I teach high school, uh, uh, former high school students. And yeah. 
Uh, they're all like, yeah, the mayor came to my graduation, whatever. I'm like, that's pretty cool, guys. The mayor's an important guy in your town. And they're like, I don't care. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but that's political. Yeah. Good. I like that. That's actually a really, that's really cool. I actually like that more than you sold it at first. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to read a couple things. Right? Couple mayor things. Style. And by a couple, I mean a few. And by a few, I mean many. All but right. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, so Aristotle gets going with the politics. Let's skip forward a little bit. Aristotle has some interesting ideas that I think reflect intimately with the negative connotation that we hold mm-hmm. with politics. Mm-hmm. And it comes from a lot of different places. There, here are some of them. Quote, Equally essential is the combination of ruler and ruled, the purpose of their coming together being their common safety. Mm-hmm. For he that can by his intelligence foresee things needed is by nature ruler and master, while he whose bodily strength enables him to perform them is by nature a slave, one of those who are ruled. And this is interesting, because this is, to me, not only the messed up stuff that he says about slaves and masters, which he's basically creating a complex argument in support of slavery, and we get some cheeky responses from Sinclair, which he mentions uh, a couple times. But he's including the idea that w- there must be a ruling class and a subordinate class, an oppressor and an oppressed almost. Mm-hmm. This is this is something that is important, I think, because I think that there's a couple. There's also a couple moments here where there's like famous lines that, that from the beginning sure. that we kind of use in everyday conversation, or that people use sometimes to see them on social media, kind of re- repeated. That if you're using these, you're kind of implying the structure, and I wonder how much that's actually made it into the political thought of those in power or those who want to be in power. Yeah. Hopefully not too much, right? And think about like the way in which people talk about politics in a negative way. Of course, if you are not part of that ruling class yeah. or not seen as part of that ruling class, of course you're going to think of politics as terrible and awful. Yeah. That, like there are those who are in power and you are supposed to be subordinate to them. Mm-hmm. Of course you're going to think that's bad. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, and so we get some moments here. I'm not going to read all the offensive things that he says because, man, they're very offensive. There's a lot. Want to. Um, but the little first little cheeky remark from Sinclair it is assumed as self-evident that the male possesses superior intelligence to the female, but slave and female are not, on that account, to be identified. Sure. So, this is okay. Sinclair saying, this is some messed up shit that yeah. he's saying. This is bad. Yeah. Hilarious. So, okay, so this is actually, uh, I think, a quote. So, here's another part. So, he says, It was out of the association formed by men with these two, women and slaves, that the first household was formed. And the poet Hesiod was right when he wrote, "Get first a house and a wife, and an ox to draw the plow." <laughs> and this is this is uh, Aristotle's little like side note in there. It's in in uh, parentheticals. And Aristotle responds to that that quote from the poet saying, "The ox is the poor man's slave." Oh, just what, what? dude? And so the cheeky remark that Sinclair has to this is Aristotle thus believes in a natural superiority and inferiority of both races and persons. Oh. So, like, just in case you are offended by this, yes, you should be offended by this. Yes, so we get right. that moment. 
oh my god, it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that that's that's fun. And what what's nice too is that this uh to shout out uh, supportive libraries generally. Mm-hmm. I have this book from the library, and a lot of these lines were underlined before I got it, mm-hmm. and so it's brilliant. It's so good. It's so yeah. amazing. So this is the part that we kind of referenced earlier. Uh, Aristotle says, It follows that the state belongs to a class of objects which exist in nature, and that man is by nature a political animal. Yeah. It is his nature to live in a state. I think that phrase, the idea that man is by nature a political animal, is something that I've heard a lot of different times. Yeah, yeah. It's something that gets recycled. But the suggestion with that is that if man is a political animal, that means man, meaning literally males, right? And specifically Greek males in this case, are political animals, meaning that political, in this case, suggesting that slaves should exist, and that kind of belief, that women are inferior to men, that there are races that are inferior to the Greek race, like to that, to the Greek uh, ideal of man, or here, we can connect this to white males, right? It seems like a complicated support, and not that complicated, it's pretty explicit, I guess not that complicated, but a a, uh, historical support of, like, white supremacy, or white male supremacy, or misogyny. Yeah. I'm sitting here reading this going, really? Yeah. And in the intro, Sinclair says that it's still taught in the 1950s. So, you know, this is thousands of years from when it was written. Mm-hmm. It's still taught in political theory classes, and I'm sure that sections of it are still taught today. Hopefully sure. it's used. Oh, I guarantee it. Yeah. Dude, I guarantee it is. On this campus right now, it's probably going to yeah, be yeah. But you know what? I, hopefully this is a foundational document which mm-hmm. is used as a contrasting example. Right? Yes. Hopefully it's used as a, um, a warning mm. right? to say, all right, now that we've seen where we come from and we can see the flaws involved yeah. with it, we can read some more contemporary re- uh, authors, their views, people building on Aristotle's <laughs> thoughts, and maybe hopefully... Complicating them in a way that is bringing these ideas up to the contemporary yeah. times, and maybe saying, you know what, uh, I think there's uh, more members of humanity than just uh, white guys. I think there's more to it than that. <laughs> uh, one thing I want to pitch in is yeah. the last thing I wanted to read from that website, which is the Internet Encyclopedia of Philosophy entry on politics. Yeah, it's just a sort of qualification of Aristotle, mm-hmm. and it's, I think your your translator should probably get the last word on this. But okay. th- they say uh, because Aristotle uses this method of examining the opinions of others to arrive at the truth, the reader must be careful to pay attention to whether a particular argument or belief is Aristotle's or not. Uh, I'm not saying that isn't. I think it yeah. is. I think it's yeah. pretty clear that he's like yeah. a racist bigot. Yeah, in a time of racist bigots, right? Yeah, that's true. That's actually a good point. That's right. a good point. Yeah. So context is important. And then they also say a variety of viewpoints uh, and arguments are presented. This is Aristotle's method for how political discussion ought to be conducted. And they say mm-hmm. a variety of viewpoints and arguments are presented and the final decision is arrived at through a consideration of the strengths and weaknesses of these viewpoints and arguments. So yeah. his way of conducting lessons, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. to students and his way of having conversations that are intellectual uh, was, you know huge and that has been passed down and that's probably more valuable to our modern society and to history than some of these bigoted ideas. Yes. Well, I think that too they're referring to the later books. Mm-hmm. And so I'm dealing mainly with book 1 of 
the politics because I didn't get to read it. I mean, it's a long book, yeah, but like, yeah. I, hang on, we I have a shit to do. Yeah. <laughs> so there's other things, and and to be fair, like in the introduction, Sinclair talks about stuff like that too. Like later on, that is what he does. Yeah. That there's these opinions from others, and also too, he's responding to Plato, and he's kind of responding back. Um, but I think I think that that sounds kind of like them going, okay, you know, like be careful, he's. No, like we love him even though he's racist. Mm. And it's fine to like him and still think he's racist. Mm. And there are some good things that he says in here. Uh, not necessarily good. Actually, I'm not a huge supporter of many of this, you know, personally. Maybe there are some things that people have taken and created uh, what people assume is generally good things from them. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, th- there's a couple other things, you know, again... Uh, with, with him saying where, wherever there is a combination of elements, continuous or discontinuous, a common unity in, uh, is the result. In all such cases, the ruler-ruled relationship appears. Again, support of that. He says anybody who opposes that, he's not, he thinks it's dumb and is like, that's a dumb idea to, like, not agree with the ruler and ruled. Um, but, you know, one of the things I thought was kind of funny that he, that he goes into in, uh, towards the end of book one is he, he talks about money making a lot later on in book one and like how it what are good ways and bad ways to make money and he says that uh, the the only good kind of money making is the natural kind and he lists it up so just in case you're curious if you are making money in a good way according to Aristotle right this is it he says he says uh, some profitable branches of the natural kind of money making will now be mentioned stock rearing. Experience and knowledge of what kinds of profitable and what kinds are profitable and where and how. I mean the purchase of horses, cattle, sheep, and other animals. Mm-hmm. And further, one must know which of these are most profitable as compared with the rest and which kinds and which areas, since some do better here, others there. Two, <laughs> a knowledge of tillage. Mm. Fields to be sown with crops. Of course. And fields planted for fruit. Sure. Three, of beekeeping. And of rearing such birds and fishes as can contribute. Oh, jeez. Those are the three main branches of the most proper ways of making a living. Of the other, the method of exchange, the main branch, is commerce subdivided into shipping, carrying goods, offering them for sale. In all of these, there are wide differences according to one uh, whether one looks for high profits or for security. Then... Two, money lending. And three, working for pay. Whether A, as a skilled, or B, as an unskilled workman. And those are basically what everybody does. And he's saying that's an unnatural way of making money. Okay. So basically, like, natural here meaning literally natural yeah. of nature. Yeah. As opposed to unnatural and not of nature. Right. That this is not natural. Interesting comment to make. Yeah. But I loved that he was like, basically, if you're not raising horses or farming... What are you doing with yourself? What are you doing bro? with your life? Come on, man. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing with the making of the money? Uh, but I think that the first nine parts hmm. of Aristotle are probably the best. Hmm. And I think that they are the weirdest. And I'm definitely going to take some quotes. And during, you know, after we release this, I'll release some choice quotes on our twi- Twitter. Our tweeter. Our tweeter. I don't know what I'm doing. On our Twitter. That's what it's called. <laughs> Only when is called a tweeter. Uh, on our Twitter. Uh, to kind of exemplify his kind of misogyny and racist uh, tendencies. Great, um, but you know, I think that I think that's a good treatment that hey, we did of politics there. I think we had a good. I job. think so too. Your words for dinner, bringing it real mm-hmm. all day, all night, yeah. all the time, all keeping the time. it real. You know, uh, everybody loves Aristotle. Maybe uh, we should be the ones to uh, you know uh, right. rein it in a little bit. That is the na- that is the name of the dating site, the dating app. 
Everyone loves Aristotle. Aristotle Ow. quotes, left, right, boom. Find your perfect mate. Where do you stand? <sighs> All right. Yes, so this, is, this is how we're going to end today, okay? Okay. Michael, I got a game for us. This is a political game. Okay. It is a single question game. Yes. You can offer a yes or no answer okay. or a more qualified answer. All right. Here it goes. Uh, this is a political proposition which has been in the news lately. Okay. Several candidates have mentioned it. I'm excited. Here it is. Would you raise the minimum wage to $70,000 an hour? Yes, but only in Columbia, South Carolina. <laughs> Next. That's the only question I have, that's it. You answered correctly. Here you have it, folks. The minimum wage <laughs> being raised to $70,000 an hour. Wow, that seems high, doesn't it? No, 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 man. no, 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 no. I, th- I think Bernie Sanders would be fine with that, $70,000 an hour. I think, I think that would be okay. Everybody think... put in one hour of work once in your life and you're fine. That's no, once, once a year. Well, once, once a year. Once well, a year. Well, so still be pretty wealthy. That's, yeah, that's that would be, be kind of nice. I mean, I, hey, I wish I came up with that. I didn't. Seems high, but... No, I think it's a good idea. Yeah, it's good. It's a good idea. Yeah. So, Max, tell us what, what uh, we were brought to you by today. Yeah, uh, today's episode is brought to you by uh, Gray Beard Whiskers. Uh, they uh, often make you look wiser than you actually are. Mm. And you can find our sponsors and us on Stitcher iTunes and Twitter, where our handle is at words the number four dinner, where we flail around wildly and try and figure out what social media is all about. But uh, <laughs> please subscribe to Words for Dinner. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, send us an email at wfdpodcast at gmail.com or just uh, shoot us a comment over at iTunes or Stitcher or even on Podbean, where our podcasts are so graciously hosted by them on the online uh, and let us know how we're doing you know let us know what words you're interested in and stuff uh, maybe we'll we'll you know do a segment at some point in which we talk about how people have responded thus far man that's a good idea to to us tweet but, yeah. It. yeah tweet at us tweet us mm. mm-hmm. so thank you and if you're listening to this episode bye bye bye